0: coming up on the branding deep dive podcast
1: when he first started off when they were having one of the biggest Black Friday sales right and their website crashed like any other website you know because you're just growing up and all that uh, there's there's like just getting big and their website crashed so there's a lot of customers that were not happy because they didn't get their uh, they didn't get their products he hand handwritten notes 2500 handwritten notes to his customers apologizing for the crash. And giving discount for the upcoming Gymshark products. Like, you don't find people as involved. Like, I personally would not say that right toward 500, <laughs> you know, for people like, like from a time perspective, like you got to see like how much he's already making millions, millions. You already got like tons of things going on in his head. There's like a huge crash. Instead of dealing with the crisis, he's making sure that his customers don't feel left out. And that, again, goes back to the whole customer experience and building loyalty and trust because you need to, he made that sacrifice. Whatever time it took him, whatever effort he took, he had to make that back then. So they're still stuck with him and they're still appreciating the company right now.
0: This is Ahmed Chima and welcome to the Branding Deep Dive Podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we have in depth discussions about what brands are doing well to drive customer loyalty and how you can take those principles and apply them to your own brand. In this episode, we're talking to our good friend, Rafi Husaini about the fitness brand, Gymshark. Even if you're not into fitness, you're going to want to stick around for this one because there's a lot of lessons that can be applied to any brand. Now, here's Rafi Husaini.
2: All right, everyone. We're here today with Rafi Husseini. Uh Rafi, why don't you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself to us real quick? Hey, everyone. My
1: name is Rafi Hosseini. I currently work for a nonprofit organization called Helping Hand for Relief and Development. been with them for five years now. And most recently, I think I would say two years ago, I recently got into fitness. And there was a huge transformation, huge reason behind it. I was actually chubby, 200 pounds. And here we are. And I'm really, really passionate about it. So here we are.
0: Hey, I, I want to let the audience know real quick that we are interviewing an influencer an instagram influencer right here rafi Husseini. look him up
2: yes sir yes sir and I, I can attest to the transformation too i remember seeing him when i first got to michigan and then uh seeing him now mashallah he's doing good
0: <laughs>
1: i appreciate you guys thank you so much it's a lot of hard work but anyone so, uh, can do it i'll say that
2: yeah rafi i see you wearing uh, the brand of the t- company we're talking about today why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what we're going to be talking about
1: course this brand it's really close to my heart actually right now because of the past literally. year that i've been literally it, it, it's like right above it, his
0: heart in the shirt I've that he's wearing really,
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've been really inspired by this brand Gym Shark. right that's that's what we're here to talk about That's what we're here to unpack for, for our audience here so just to give a brief brief history about gymshark it started off as you know any other brand you're just for apparel and over the past eight years at this point it is a whole community it's more than just an apparel it's it's more it's more of a message it's more of a like what a community should stand for what people should inspire what Jim shark means is something that every single community every single person every single athlete should look up to when they try to serve their own community uh, they started off with just you know Ben Francis the founder he started off with designing culture himself the reason for that being he is so much into fitness that he couldn't find what he liked wearing in the gym so him and a group of 10 15 people they decided you know what we're gonna we're gonna make something that we like and he did that and then he eventually thought about and he had these fitness heroes that he used to follow on youtube facebook you know the social media influencers back then which is eight years ago you know that's when the game was really uh beginning to spike up and then he's like you know what i'm gonna send these to these people Casual, you know, he has no connections whatsoever, but he had hope and faith that, you know, they might respond. They sent it, he sent it to them and he's like, this is what we think. What do you guys think? And they were all really excited for it. And some of these people, really interesting thing is that he sent to people like Jeff said and Lex from UK. Some of, uh, Jeff said was from Australia or US, I don't remember. But some of these people had never stepped foot in the UK. So when he sent them these copies of clothing and invited them to come to a trade show, which was a year after he first went to a trade show, and that inspired him to set up a booth there, they were all really excited. First time coming to the UK, and they spent everything, uh, and Jim Shark spent everything on them because he took care of their accommodation and everything. And Ben Francis says that even to this point, that's the best 10 to 15K he ever invested. Now, one of the really, really beautiful things that I see in this and why it inspires me is because as we all have heard this common saying you know follow your passion don't do it for the money money follows this is a living example of that he was never thinking about the money he's putting in he never thought about that oh it's a 15k that he's going to lose he just wanted to see that if this is a route he could take to benefit the community to benefit other people and it just took off you know it, it's a rare it's a rare kind of scenario that someone doesn't have to struggle as much as so someone really doesn't have to struggle or sometimes you really have to go through some a lot of rejections to get to where Ben Francis is because he was working through school, college, you know, the basic stuff that every kid does. But then he just went on and he just took off from there.
0: Rafi, you mentioned a lot. Okay, we went through a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. One of the things that stick out to me in what you just said is that Gymshark now represents a community, an aspirational community for fitness people, people that want to be fit and that kind of thing. And that's essentially their brand, right? And so what we want to deep dive and find out is how did they get to that level, right? How did they get started? What was the initial – you touched on it in a little bit already, but what was that first product that he sent to these people? What was different about it? What separated Gymshark, this small little company, from Nike, Under Armour, whatever else was on the market at the time. Sure. So he, what,
1: what what they call, if you go on their website right now, what they call stingers are like these tank tops, right? So he sent those to a bunch of these people and Jeff Said and these people that I mentioned, they just have weird names and I don't want to butcher them, but all these fitness people, they had really good physique. You know, back then people looked up to them. They were these social media influencers of 2010, 2012, whatever the time was. And he sent them that and then he had this Lexi, uh, this Lexi tracksuit that he that he that he that's the name of tracksuit that was really popular. So he mentions one thing that happened was at one of the trade shows when the first trade show that all these fitness influencers were there, people knew about the Lexi tracksuit from these fitness influencers. And when he, they came to the trade show, he sold out almost everything on the trade show. The next day, he was just you know, just chilling on his couch watching TV. And randomly, without thinking anything, he puts it on his website. He goes, I still have a few of these Lexi tracksuits in my, in stock with other, other stuff, puts it on his Facebook group. And within 30 minutes, 30,000 pounds. That's the sales. That's his number. Within 30 minutes, he had to shut down the website, the amount of sales that were going because he didn't have anything in stock, you know? So it was just that, just a basic thing, just a basic idea of like using, leveraging the fitness people. And, and again, this is, in his own words, that he didn't think of it like, oh, this is influencer marketing or this is social media marketing. He's just that – these are the people that he loves. These are the people that inspire him. And he wants to just, you know, make it make like, you know, help help them, work with them and work with them in general. And he just realized that, you know, this is so much powerful that people who follow them came because of the fact that their role model, their hero is wearing, wearing something called Gymshark.
0: Yeah, so you're saying – one of the key differentiating factors in the way they marketed their product in the early days is they reached out to these uh, influencers. I guess back at the time that they're starting, they're probably not called influencers yet. They're just people yeah. that have a following, right? And so right,
1: and most of these people were uh, most of the people had like a huge following on YouTube because he himself and his group of people they were a little bit involved in YouTube and video making and all that. So that was just the same platform that where he would follow people and all he would do was just watch videos of world of warcraft or fitness
2: videos you know even even before that i think you said that he he went he had his product line and then he went to this trade show thing um right and that is where he started getting like all of the um sales it it sounded like he was making uh a few on his website before the trade show they bought this place for the trade show and they threw in all of their money like any sales that made from the website they threw in the money to get the spot at the trade show, and they set up this what do they call it, like a pop up shop type of thing in the trade show, mm-hmm. and then they broke out. So I th- I feel like one of the things that he did really well early on was go to where his target audience is, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. like in in this in this in this scenario, literally physically go to where his target audience is. So I thought that definitely probably helped him kick off his uh, his his uh, marketing. All
1: right. Let's and talk one thing.
2: Uh, just to touch on what man said, one thing he always says that
1: that trade show I think it was called Body Pro or something back yeah. then. That, that trade show is what inspired him to you know go out and sell this stuff because, as you mentioned, he was already doing drop shipping. He was already selling supplements from his gym shirt. So Gymshark was already established brand for supplements from other places. But when he went to a trade show and he saw that there was a space in the fitness apparel, you know, like there was something that was lacking. That's when he inspired, and as you mentioned, he put everything, all the money he had, 3,000 uh, bu- pounds, to book that trade show space. He put everything in there, and that's when he decided, you know what, we're going to go from here.
0: So I want to talk about, you mentioned the Stinger and the Lexi tracksuit. Uh, what was special about the Stinger, right? Like, what made this a product that people want And the Lexi tracksuit? Like, what about the product was actually, you know, you don't just sell out a product like that. You know, 30,000 pounds in a, not, 30 minutes, that just doesn't not happen.
2: Only, not only that, I kind of want to know, ruffy You have your journey in fitness, and then you have Gymshark. At what point in your fitness journey were you introduced to Gymshark? Was it introduced through that stringer that you talked about, or was it through something else? Had Gymshark already developed before by that time, or what? Alright, I'm gonna go backwards. I'm gonna go for the bottom
1: first. So for me, really like. You know, when I was first, my fitness journey is just transformed in a way that at, at first it was all about, you know, just losing weight, getting skinny like every other person. Yeah. And then I did more research and then came to, you know, building muscle and all that stuff. And then even though I, so at this point right now, I only buy it from two brands, you know, shout out to Project Rock and Gymshark. Uh, but the reason because like the way they fit, the way they feel on my body and, and I even mean under armor, you'll see a huge difference between under armor. And project rock material even though they're from the same brand the way the rock the rocks it's his own sentence that he works out and tests every single material that's made so you know so that's how you know that someone's standing behind their brand is when they've actually tested the whole thing and with gymshark when i saw that i i like as i mentioned i i was following these people that i trust my heroes my role models in the fitness world and i see all these like amazing colors you know amazing design amazing like Things I've never seen before. I've always seen like sleeveless stuff with Nike and Adidas, but nothing like this sort. And then when I go on the website, you will see that this this jumps into Chima's uh, question, is that Gymshark was not made for bodybuilders. You know, even a skinny person can wear a Gymshark (laughs) stringer and he'll feel confident in that. You know, he's not going to sink into it. He's not going to feel like, oh, I have no muscle whatsoever. That's what really separates him because if you – Go to the website you see their models nobody's like a really built bodybuilder guy you know and same thing that's something i think that really really dif- differentiates them from other uh brands because other brands you'll see that someone has some kind of muscle some kind of physique some kind of thing right but gymshark in their clothing they're all like normal people with normal physiques and that's where really good is because like someone like me who's who's like just had a whole transformation and starting to feel confident in my own skin I need something like that. I need something that inspires me to be like, okay, you know what? I don't have to be a a 16-inch Arnold Schwarzenegger or like Dwayne Johnson to wear this clothes. I can just be who I am and still <laughs> go with this brand.
0: All right. So what I will say is this. I've been to the website too. Those people <laughs> are pretty fit. <laughs> okay, there's
2: a different, No, no. I mean, there's a difference between being fit versus being bodybuilder fit, you know? Okay. okay so they're not like, using they're not using that initial target audience. For their actual like, market. Yeah, like,
1: they don't have the the mindset of, like, you have to be extremely muscular yeah. to, to wear that kind of clothing, you know? Yeah. Like, you'll see a lot of skinny, like, in real life. Like, I go to the gym and everything. You see a lot of, like, skinny people wearing Gymshark stuff. Yeah. There's no Would judging you?
2: them. Be like, hey, you got no
1: biceps. Why are you wearing that tank top? It's,
2: it's, it's interesting because I don't know if you guys uh, saw, but they got into a little bit of hot water um, with their social media because of this. But I don't know if we'll touch on this later. Did you guys see the uh, Instagram post that they got a lot of heat for? <laughs> no.
0: uh, they, had, they, they basically
2: had a model that was wearing Gymshark and she was not up to their standards at least up to their visual standards that, that they were propagating uh, and uh, so, the most recent one? I don't know if it was most recent no 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 it was, it was like back in back in, actually it was this year but it was like back a couple months ago um, okay. but we can definitely get into that later but it's interesting that you say that they, um, they, they market themselves that way but um, I wonder if uh, everyone's perception of that when they go to the website when they go to the Instagram is the exact same thing um, I
1: mean, I think it's it's more from from. Uh, I mean, if you're honing down specifically to the website mm-hmm. branding, I think it's the industry standard. Like, I don't think they have an option there because you pick up any clothing brand, right? Mm-hmm. There has to be some kind of fitness. I mean, the past five years, I would say people have become more inclusive of like you know, uh, love your body, this and that, you know, whatever it is, this model, that model. So you have all all kinds of physics coming in, right? Yeah. But in, in in a basic. Holding a parallel standard, I think there's a certain uh, expectation of what a model should look like.
2: Right.
0: So let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about fitness culture, what that entails, the pros and cons of that kind of thing. Right. So Ruffy, this is a space where where you're in. Um, you know, like there are. Let, let's start with the positives, right? Like the only way Gymshark is able to get to 1.45 billion in my opinion, one of the only ways is because of this fitness culture, right? Because sure. they're, they're able to play on this, right? And they're able to maximize on people's feeling of insecurity about their bodies, right? But now let's, Abdulmanan, Rafi, why don't you guys hit on some of the negatives that result as, uh, you know, playing on these insecurities? Sure. And a lot of this
1: I can personally relate to because just like any other person, when you're going through a whole transformation, when you're working out, you see you have an image in mind. You see someone and you don't just imagine. That image is there because someone put it there in front of you, you know? And that's what the negative is that you start feeling very disoriented. Uh, I think the word might be dysmorphia. I don't know if that's like the body dysmorphia, right? Mm-hmm. Where People have a psychological negative effect. So that starts to creep in, not because of the way you are with your body. It's because you start comparing yourself from your body, you know? Like being in this fitness space made me realize. Like initially, I'm not gonna lie, that was me, because for me it was lack of knowledge. You know, I was just like, man, like you know, how is that guy so ripped? He's twenty six, blah, blah blah, whatever. But as you as you pro- progress through the stages, you will realize that there's a whole bunch of factors that come into it. Hmm. But you don't know that. I don't know that. And what you know is what you see on the on the social media pages, on the posters. And that kind of like puts into your head that, you know what? I can never get to that level. These guys are doing something that I can never do. I don't have it in me. That's one of the, I think that's a a biggest negative uh, aspect of the fitness culture is that people, is that all these marketing, all these brands, like they tend to, basically they get their products to sell in a way that, you know what? If you're able to achieve this or buy this, then you need to be in that space of, you know, the perfect body.
2: Yeah. Abdulman, do you have anything to add to that? I think from even from a branding perspective, when, you, when you, it depends on how you brand yourself. Do you brand yourself? What is your target audience? Is it, is it like the actual people that are going to the gyms and already fit and working on physical fitness? Or are you doing this thing where kind of Nike does it a little bit better, I think, than other people where they, they talk about this idea of striving for that victory, striving for that greatness? Um, and if you are, then you want to have good representation, in your, in, in your models, in your, um, in your marketing. Um, and so the negative impact is that you have that discrepancy and then you lose a potential audience that you might've been trying to target. Like if they're really about revolutionizing the the gym culture and making sure like, you know, making a movement about wellness and physical fitness, um, you know, that might be something to consider, um, uh, like kind of like going forward. Um, I don't know if Chima, that's what you, you, you wanted to add on to that. Um,
0: no, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I, I did want to bring it back real quick to the Stringer. Uh, I, I wanted to, to dive in on that a little bit because I think it's really important uh, to learn from what they did. And so, Rafi, uh, can you give us a description of what the Stringer looks like real quick?
1: Okay. You're going to wear a Stringer own. for the episode, and then you don't. Have. I, don't own, I don't own a Stringer, by the way, but I will describe it for you. Uh, so it's like, it's, like a, it's like a regular tank top, right? But then it's like it comes only till your half of your chest basically covers your chest from here and your delts, your traps, your biceps, and your, uh, your ribs are basically shown. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then there's also, uh, and it's like, it's like a really thin from here. So your traps and your shoulders are shown more, they're visible more and it covers up. It's in a more like a, like a V, like a loose baggy style that comes up and that if you're a pretty build, then you just fit into it.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. So, for the audience, I want you guys to keep that picture in mind. And then think it's of the last time me in think of the last time that you went to a gym. I'm sure you've seen people that have like a regular t-shirt that they just ripped off and cut holes in. Yeah. You know, that's like a pretty common like thing that happens at gyms. And that's so what Gymshark was able to do is see that hey, like instead of like ripping your shirts, we could just sell them a shirt that already matches this. You know what I mean? So instead of destroying a shirt. Like, we'll just give them what they want from the very beginning. And so uh, my next question is, Ruffy, that, the initial people that they reached out to, those people were bodybuilders, right?
1: Uh, bodybuilders, and it's more back then it was like, it was more about their aesthetic models. You know, they weren't like big as Arnold Schwarzenegger, but they weren't as skinny as an athlete. You know, they were like somewhere in between like the ideal aesthetic physique and someone who won't.
0: Perfect, right. So for them, that makes even more sense, right? People are looking at them for the shape of their body. And so they like, they designed a product for that. And so one of the stories I remember, I think it was on one of his vlogs is he mentioned how he initially the first couple of products he sent to the people. I forgot the names or like one or two people. And then they got feedback from them. They were like, Hey, how does this fit? Whatever they, and they made changes to their design based on what they were saying. So now for the audience, for the people that are listening, this is the most critical piece of advice that we can learn from Gymshark, I believe. And that is, number one, you understand where your target, mar- uh, target audience is, who they are, and you give them the product and ask them how to make it better. Now, what that does is you have an influencer now, an aesthetic model, who has ownership over the product, And they feel like they're a part of developing the product. And so now I don't even have to say, like, hey, can you promote this? They're going to be promoting it because they want to, because this is a product that they designed, right? And so –
2: They're part of the story. What was that? They're part of the story. Yeah, they're now
0: part of this startup story, right? Like for any startup out there that's listening, any any brand that's trying to grow their – their brand. like Make sure you find out who your target audience is. Do the time to actually research who it is that we're making these products for. Once you find those people that are loyal to your brand, talk to them, understand what they want out of the product, what would make it better, and then actually use that feedback to make a better product. I'll give you another example of this working uh, pretty well. So we have a friend. Oh, Actually, he was on the podcast. I think we can name drop him. I think it would be cool, okay? So Momo who is not getting paid by branding Deep Dive, (laughs) not getting a cent, right? We know, I know, that Momo actually listens to this stuff, right? There's not a lot of people out there that actually listen to the whole episode. Momo's one of them. So I'm like, okay, Momo, every time an episode drops, I'm going to send it to you. And let me know what you think. So the intro sequence, outro sequence, transitions, all of that stuff was Momo's idea. And now... Last week, Momo actually reached out to me saying, hey, uh, check out this news article. This, having this guy on the show would be really cool. Is it cool if I reach out to him on Branding Deep Does Have? I was like, dude, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like now he has ownership over the product. And I, I hope, Momo, I hope you don't I, mind us sharing that story. But uh, yeah. I think it's really important to have people like that in your corner.
2: That feel comfortable and I think- giving you feedback, whether it's positive or negative, knowing that they are making an improvement um, in, in your product, in your business, in your service. And one think-
1: thing uh, one thing that you just on, not Chima, is
2: that, I mean, of course, the whole influencer aspect
1: is there, but he, Ben Francis himself gets inspired by a lot of feedback that he gets. Like he, he has a camo design that uh, that's pretty popular right now in their, on their website and a lot of their outfits. And the reason why he designed that because he went to a one of the trade shows in Canada and you talk to one of the customers there, and they're like, Hey, you guys got all this cool stuff, but you guys don't have a camera design. And the next year you dropped the camera design and you shipped it out, you know, and it was a big, big hit. So like he believes in the values of his feedback that he gets, you know, and, uh, and his customers, it's not just like a customer services report that's sent back and then he just overlooks it.
0: And another thing I want to touch on here is now we're going to kind of transition into overall, company culture because having this kind of mentality is not just like hey it's good for your brand it makes you know it makes your ambassadors feel better and stuff like that it's not just that but like it really from an overall branding perspective it makes you a lot more agile and so in one of his youtube videos ben francis is talking about the recent investment that they got so i guess they got a 20% stake that they sold of their company to a investment group and he goes through and he says one of the, like I wrote this down so he says the old playbook for success in brands was you create as much product as you can and you put it as in as many stores as you can and you try to reach as many people as you can the problem is Like It was good for fast growth, but the problem is that leads to slow, clunky businesses that don't truly understand their consumers and have no control over the consumer experience or their data, right? And so that shows you exactly what Gymshark values versus old brands. So old brands would have been, hey, let's get this in Meijer, Walmart, CVS, wherever we can get this, try to reach as many people as possible, but then you lose That feedback from consumers, you lose the data seeing what consumers are buying. You lose understanding what they like about it, what they don't like about it. And so keeping their experience online and not going through traditional retailers, maybe they slow down the growth of their business a little bit. But in the long run, that gives them access to consumer preferences in a way that uh, you really just can't get in the old school traditional retail market.
2: And this is a this sure. is a model that's like adopted by some of the biggest companies too. Uh, Chima, you can probably confirm this, but one of the things I was reading about was that the uh, the new CEO of uh, Gymshark he was like a former Reebok associate, marketing uh, something, and uh, one of his mantras was Amazon's mantra, which was start with the end user in mind um, and then work backwards. Um, so you know Amazon's using it, you know Reebok is probably using it, and now you know Jeff Gymshark is using it, and it's clearly a successful model um, to adapt if you're thinking about it versus the old model, which like Chima said, like, you know, just kind of put your product out there. I love that. They say that once you give it out to retailers, you have no, um, opportunity to get that feedback. And I was just like, man, that's so true. Like, cause you, now. It's so like,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the very interesting thing is that yes, technically speaking, you do have, you, you can get feedback still. It's yeah. just the process of rolling out those changes is a lot slower because now there's a middleman. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah, so exactly. it's a very smart
1: thing that they do because that also keeps you directly connected with with the brand. You know, you don't. A, a lot of times, what happens that over the years, when you start seeing these big brands come in like retail stores, you forget that their actual store even exists. <laughs> you know, you start buying so much from Walmart and and all these shops that you think that okay, this is the few where you buy it from, unless someone tells you there's a store. But the whole thing with Gymshark and Amazon and these brands is that there's a direct connection. Someone doesn't. Ha- someone has an issue they talk straight to Gymshark. They don't talk to Walmart. They don't talk to a middleman. And Ben Francis himself said that he did pass on. Like He did lose a lot of potential revenue that could be coming in, but he didn't care for it as much because he wanted to build that connection directly of having the traffic come to the website and basically it's directly buying from the store. You now There's no middleman in
0: between. Mm-hmm. And the, the cool thing about that here, I really want to make sure we drive this point home as much as possible is that Jim Shark, you guys listening might be thinking Jim Shark's a billion dollar company. You know, I can't really do that. But that's the, what we're, the point we're trying to make here is that you don't have to be a billion dollar company to take these principles and apply them to your business. You don't have to be worth a billion dollars to listen to your customers. You know, Branding Deep Dive is not a billion dollar company. If anything, we're probably like negative four hundred dollars. But <laughs> but but we're able to take feedback from the people that do listen, uh, and if. Actually, I think this is a good plug right here. If you have some feedback, make sure you uh, reach out to us. Let (laughs) us know uh, how we can improve, that kind of thing. But really, you don't have to be a billion-dollar company to take these principles and really improve the user experience for your customers. Um, Next thing I want to get into is, uh, let's talk a little bit about... uh, So Gymshark is a company that has a chief branding officer, and this is not a common role. Like, you don't see this. I mean, I guess some companies have chief marketing officers. uh, Other companies have, like, uh, other roles that are similar to this. but Chief design officers. Yeah. Like, if you're a design company, you'd have a chief design officer. Yeah. Like, in general, you don't see a lot of businesses with a chief branding officer, chief marketing officer, that kind of thing. You don't see someone with a branding background sitting at the highest table in the company you know what I mean yep. they don't have a voice at that level at, at Gymshark they do so I want to talk about this a little bit what kind of impact does that have on their brand their culture uh, why is that important what kind of what are the implications uh, for businesses out here today that are trying to you know launch their brand
1: I think one of the interesting things to see is like why this position came into existence in Gymshark in the first place right Ben Francis with the one man army and then he bought and Steve from Rebaugh at that point, he was like, until April, March of 2019, uh, maybe even before that, Ben Francis himself was the chief branding officer because he realized that that's what he does best. He does best organizing events, he does best marketing, he does best doing things. So, I mean, to give himself a title, that position came into existence. And then, as as the year moved on and, and as they grew more, he realized now he has to expend more of his time into other stuff, like into better and perfecting stuff that he's doing good. So, he bought in. Uh, Noel, right? So I think it stems from the necessity of what you want to bring the company to. You know, I think after a certain point, Ben Francis realized that it's no longer just about apparel. You know, they're building communities, they have to make a brand. And for that, the position of a chief branding officer was born. And of course, from now on, whoever comes in a position, the position already exists. It's just a matter of who replaces the person
2: currently and takes it up, takes it to the next level. What's crazy about that position also, Chima, is that when he was describing what his role was when he was, when talking about Ben Francis, the the founder, um, when he's describing his role as a chief branding officer, he says that like the CEO takes care of what is going on today and the CBO takes care of what's going to happen tomorrow in like very short words. And what that means is that for a company that's interested in not staying stagnant, for a company that's interested in not being the status quo at where they're at, For a company that they themselves say that they want to outcompete Nike and Under Armour and and Adidas and Reebok and all that stuff, you have to have a vision for the future. And they give these specific um, roles, uh, put all of these roles um, under the chief branding officer. Um, And that's kind of what he describes it as being like um, the role of that position is to kind of look forward. So that we can keep, so that they can keep growing. I said, we like, we're part of the team too. (laughs) I was like, I'm part of that team branding officer team, dude. (laughs) Uh, I'll let him know if i Put me in. (laughs) Yeah.
0: What I want to touch on here, Alderman, what you brought up is how it's about the future. And I think it's really important to understand that, you know, as we go on 2021, 2025, 2030, the only thing that remains is going to be brands. Right. You got your Amazons, you got your Walmarts. And then the only other thing that remains is going to be your brand. Right. If you can't build a customer, a, a tribe, and you can't have loyalty, like you're gone. You know what I mean? Like people can get better prices at other places. You need to build something where people feel an emotional attachment to. And that's why it's so important in today's day and age. You have to take decisions. You have to have that lens on when you're making those decisions.
1: All right, so while we're talking about like branding, right? Of course, the branding officer, planning everything, but let's 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 try back to the company brand in itself. The reason why Ben Francis started vlogging and started making YouTube channels is because like he realized that one of these trade shows that he was at, he's like he saw that how crazy people are that now people just wanted to know. Now, at this point, Jim Shark is already well known, so nobody really at this point wants to know what Jim Shark is anymore. They want to know what the owner is, or what the founder is, or what his day to day is, or how he's getting this company to grow so that's really why he started vlogging because again we come back to customer experience he wants to give the people what they want he wants to give the buyers what they want he wants to give the customers what they're asking for and that's how he already he's already like strengthening those relationships that's already built by selling his products now he's going to give them a little bit of a personal connection by giving them the insight of how and or orga- how a company's built and what a day-to-day look like
0: we'll be right back with more from rafi Husaini. Hey everyone, Amachima here. I want to share with you another project that I'm working on called The Weekly Rundown. It's a Sunday morning email newsletter covering the week's business and political news and why all that stuff matters to you. It's a quick read. It'll take you maybe five minutes. And we also record an audio version if you prefer that. This past week, we covered Oprah's big interview, increasing unionization efforts across the US, and a study on violence against women. I'm really, really excited about this, and I hope everyone subscribes. Go to the weekly to check out our latest issue and subscribe. That's the weekly I will put the link in the description. Thank you for your continued support. And now, back to our discussion with Rafi. Uh,
2: Chima, I wanted you. Uh To go in a little bit about, I know we talked about Amazon a little bit, but there's no company that can kind of um, scale this fast and this effectively without, you know, leadership principles in mind, without good um, leadership culture. Um, And I can I can kind of talk in and out about this, but like I want to hear from you. um, What are some of the things that you saw, particularly in Ben Francis or the culture or leadership in general at Gymshark that you feel like are important to or important principles to understand when it comes to growing and scaling your company.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, Ruffy did mention that a little bit. And I think talking about his YouTube page, uh, there's a lot of content on Ben Francis, uh, himself personally talking about things and you can see his perspective and how he, his vision for the company. One of the things that he mentions, let me actually, I think I wrote this down, this quote and, He says that I don't do this for money. I do this for the complete and utter joy and the ambition to leave a legacy and be a part of something bigger than me. Right. And Ruffy, you mentioned that earlier in the episode as well. When we're building brands that people want to work for, let me take a step back. I have worked in an environment where every day coming in was such a drag. Like I had to pull myself out of bed to go to work. Right, And then I have also worked in an environment where every day I felt like so energized coming to work. I'm passionate, excited, and, and like I have energy for the things I do. And the difference between these two things, I was doing the same thing. My role was the same. The difference really was that in one environment, the leadership team was able to bring it back and explain and show me how my contribution played a part in the bigger vision that the company was going for.
2: Do you see what? Ben, ben France? I was going to say Ben Shapiro. Ben Francis is doing this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, right? And so what he's saying uh, in, in that episode is that, like, look, I'm trying to build something that's bigger than me. I'm trying to build something for, uh, that's going to outlast me. I'm trying to build a community of fitness mm-hmm. people. So one of the things that I want to highlight here is that they spent $7 million on Gymshark HQ. Ruffy, can you quickly talk about what is in Gymshark HQ?
1: Right. So they have their warehouse, which is of course where they stock up all the all their clothing and then they have their offices and they have an exclusive Gymshark gym, which is only for their staff and athletes. And out of that it's only for people they invite that are not part of the Gymshark family. So it is a it is a whole lot of like I would say a higher end, like a really exclusive club that you want to be a part of. And you can only think about it. You can only imagine being a part of it unless they ask you to ask you to come and work out. You know, so that's right. a really like you're just basically spending seven million dollars to increase the curiosity of people around you.
0: Right. And that's that's the thing I want to highlight. Right. Like if I'm running a company and I want people to be creative and we want people to come up with these ideas that serve the fitness community. This is exactly what I would do. Right. Like you have a custom built gym that looks dope. You know what I mean? Like, you go in, you're like, man, this place is sick. They got projectors. They got things that they can test out uh, new materials. You know, you mentioned The Rock tests out all the materials, and he puts his stamp of approval on it. Like, this, as an employee, if I was an employee there, I would be so bought in thinking that we are making products that are actually, you know, changing the game, changing what it means to be, you know, wearing fitness gear, right? You're testing out new things. You're trying out new things. You're actually going to the gym, Maybe trying on like a tracksuit that no one's ever worn before, going to the gym, a really dope gym by the way, and like, you know, <laughs> running for two miles. Right? That's like that's an experience that you can only have if you're a part of that company. And that shows you what the company's trying to do. Right? So when we talk about having people bought into the vision, that's the kind of thing you have to do. That's an investment you make so that the people at every level understand what it is that we're trying to build here. Another thing in that same interview, uh, Ben Francis was talking to the chief branding officer, Noel, and they were talking about, so Noel was like, look, I, I've consulted for a lot of brands, and, you know, what's interesting is that whenever people look at Gymshark, they look at it through their lens. So influencer marketing people think that Gymshark got so big because of influencer marketing. People that do social think it's because of social. People do this, blah, 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 right? He's like, the one thing that I see that's truly different about Gymshark is the passion that the people have for this company, for really seeing this company grow and be the next big thing, right? And the point that I want to make is that Ben Francis is able to do this because he got them bought into this bigger vision of what Gymshark could be.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And if I, we're talking about... Go ahead, No, no, go ahead. If we're talking about, like, how, you know, how... Ben Francis is all about community and all about customer satisfaction. Like the reason why I keep bringing this up, because there's really nothing else about Gymshark that like, that, that like makes him excel, you know, like their customer appreciation and customer satisfaction is so good. Like personally, Ben Francis is involved in it. You know, you don't see that a lot, with a lot of CEOs or anyone in that position as much, maybe Amazon. I don't know, but how, how's he involved in it? And that's what I'm trying to say, right? When he first started off when they were having one of the biggest black Friday sales right and their website crashed like any other website you know because you're just growing up and all that uh there's there's like just getting big and their website crashed so there's a lot of customers that were not happy because they didn't get their uh they didn't get their products he hand handwritten notes 2500 handwritten notes to his customers apologizing for the crash and giving discount for the upcoming gymshark products Hmm. like you don't find people as involved like I personally would not say that right to 500, <laughs> you know, for people like, like from a time perspective, like you gotta see like how much he's already making millions, millions. You already got like tons of things going on in his head. There's like a huge crash and start dealing with the crisis. He's making sure that his customers don't be left out. And that again, goes back to the whole customer experience and building loyalty and trust because you need to, he made that sacrifice, whatever time it took him, whatever effort he took, he had to make that back then. So,
2: they're still stuck with him and they're still appreciating the company <laughs> right now. I wonder if he, if that, did that happen before he became chief branding officer or was he still CEO at the time? Well,
1: he, I think he was still CEO back then because this was around so he the had first his vision, yeah. Yeah, so it was around the first five years when they first hit 52 million and things just went crazy for him. Like you did not expect 52 million in five years.
0: Right. yeah. I think that's, so taking the time out to handwrite notes, that is something. That's another practical thing that any business is listening here can do. Like if you guys mess up, handwrite the notes from the top down, send them to your clients, customers, whoever it is, like it's going to happen. And how you respond to when you mess up, that's what separates you as a brand. And that's what yeah, people I mean, will remember.
1: And I think one thing I would say that's like, you know, being in a, uh, I don't think the reason why Ben Fences inspires me, I mean, again, everything on, on, on media and everything that you see is different about, Sometimes when a person speaks, you can see how genuine they are. It's all about how, and this is their hashtag as well, which you can see are on their HQ as well is stay humble. You know, you are actually a millionaire. You're at that level. You could you could not care about these people. You know, like 2,500 customers, who cares? You know, I'm, I'm already making millions. But you have that within you. You have that humbleness in you that, okay, you know what? These are the people that value. These are the reason. These people are the reason why I'm at this position so for as Timo mentioned, for any brands out there that are trying to get into it, like don't even if it's a single customer, don't miss that opportunity to make things right with them.
2: Mm. That's like that's a great point, yeah. And if we're going to be speaking on what inspires us from like Ben Ben Francis, there's another thing that um, you know startup companies can take away too. We don't realize this until later on when he starts telling his story, but like he started uh, in college while he was taking courses, and and then after college, so his morning his day would be like. Morning courses, afternoon, it was like 5 to 10 or like what? I wrote it down. It was like 5 to 10 p.m., 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. He'd be delivering pizza or like afternoon he would be delivering pizza. And then uh, the rest of the time he had, he dedicated it to Gymshark, like printing, getting the sewing together, getting the screen printing on and everything. And I just like his ethic, work ethic was definitely inspirational. And that's something that whether you're, you know, big time company or startup can do. Uh, is, you know, perfect your work ethic if you can.
0: Abdulman, you brought up a good point. And I think one thing that we have to touch on as well is that passion is contagious. I think a lot of people that are, uh, you know, looking to get into the workforce and looking to study something in college, you're looking for, like, what am I passionate about? And that's a a good approach, right? Like, what do you like to do? But know that if you're not in passionate company, you know, that's going to sizzle out. And the Mm -hmm. hope... The, let me let me make it real meta again. I know we talk a lot about the Branding Deep Dive podcast, but the hope with this podcast, really, like, if you're listening to this podcast, the hope is that our passion for branding, somehow, a little bit of it trickles into you. You're, yeah. you're, I'm talking to you, the listener, right? And so <laughs> I'm hoping, we're hoping that by listening to this stuff, listening to our analysis, of course, we're not like professionals or anything, we're not like, you know, changing the game out here, but like our little analysis that we're doing here and we're getting excited about it. We're hoping that this little piece of excitement also translates to you and what you're doing in your business and how you can start taking those lessons and really improving your customer experience.
2: Man, that, that, that just reminded me of another thing that I was like inspired by Ben Francis or or actually, um, the Reebok guy, um, what was his name? Steve Hewitt or whatever. Um, He says that one of the reasons why he liked, he jumped on with Ben Francis really quick was that he saw that Ben Francis early on was a bit, had the ability to what he called um, fail fast. Um, Mm Because we know that Ben Francis, he started with what, drop shipping supplements, like nutritional supplements, and that, that failed, right? And then the next thing he tried, he tried selling car number plates. Like, can you guys believe that? Or like plate designs. And then that failed too. Two businesses failed before he did it. And then what Steve saw was that he failed fast and learned fast. Um, and so, he, you know, this is his third business that he's trying. And that's something as startup, as people, in, you know, who have a startup business idea uh, or, or just ideas in general that they haven't gotten started with. Remember, you got to fail a few times before you can, you can get something going. So, you know, if you're never going to start, you're never going to fail. If you're never going to fail, you're never going to get to where you want to be. Um, and so I think, I think that's a great lesson in, in, in Gymshark here as well. Yeah, uh,
1: I and think I think we've talked. Just, with- I think you guys just got your branding deep dive quote, <laughs> but <by none>. no. <laughs> Put that in there if you don't. Sorry, you don't feel
2: like you. Yeah. There you go.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it just
2: it's just a reiteration of Michael Jordan quotes or, or Steve uh, Michael Scott or whoever whoever you know. You miss hundred <laughs> of the shots, you don't take. Michael Scott.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've talked about this before on the branding deep dive podcast about the minimum viable product and. So just to touch on it again a little bit is that some companies, let's say mature companies that have been in the industry for a while, uh, you spend a lot of time and energy on getting the perfect product and then you release it. right. Whereas a lot of these newer companies that are coming out, maybe they don't have the full product, what it looks like in the end version, but they're putting it out there, they're getting feedback and they're iterating, 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 iterating. right. And so that's really the business model and the speed and the the speed that you need to have to compete nowadays. You can't just spend four years crafting something up and then putting it out there and then, okay, you know, the customer doesn't like this. Now it's going to take us another four years to fix that.
2: The longer, the longer you take to set your thing up, the more resistant you are to feedback. So it's like, if if it didn't take much to put it together anyway, then you're open to more feedback and then iterative changes can happen. And it's
1: interesting that you guys bring this point up because Uh, in one of the interviews, I think it was one of his uh, interviews of how Jim Stark started. He mentions that, you know, we saw all this growth. We saw all this progress. Right. But none of it was like, Oh, this is our business plan. You know, we didn't plan any of this,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, we
1: were just doing it in hopes that it'll make a difference. It will help someone. And it just happened. And that I think brings, brings a really, really important point is that even my dad gives me advice on this is that like, you know, don't, if you do something for the aspect of just making money, you'll be stuck in that, in like, I, I guess you call it like a black hole or whatever, yeah. Right? because you'd be thinking that, oh, I'm not making any money out of it. I'm putting so much effort, nothing's coming out of it. And at that point, you don't see how many people you've helped along the way. So that's what BenFest did. Instead of seeing the money, he saw what he was helping. He didn't care about the money and money just came and he just grew where it is. But the fact that he's still stuck with the values that he had in the beginning it's something that really, I think, a lot of brands out there can inspire that never, ever forget your basic values that
2: you started with.
1: Don't mm-hmm. let it be in the fact that, you know what, now I'm a millionaire, billionaire. Now it's all about
2: the money. Forget the customers. Uh, how, how much did, do the Stringer Vest actually help their clients, though? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, I, if you put a Stringer Vest on a Photoshop, <laughs> I didn't get on their page. No, but I, it, I, I think
0: it saves a collective, probably, let's say there's a million people that are into fitness in the United States. Uh, it probably takes a 15 minutes for each cut-up shirt, you know, to actually take scissors and cut the yeah. shirt. So I would say it saves time over millions of minutes. You know what
2: yeah. I mean? So- yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no, but Ruffy, you're right. And one of the things you realize is that, I don't know if we want to transition into this or not, but, like, you notice that they start, because of the iterative process, they start changing their main product line and their main USP, which is... Uh, Chima, you want to define that for us? I forgot what it stands for.
0: Unique because selling proposition. I'm going to ask you, you
1: might unique. Have to cut this out, but what the heck is USB? Unique selling
2: proposition. <laughs> unique unique <laughs> selling proposition. I'm like,
1: what is USB? Yeah. Okay.
2: So um, you you okay, see you that the with, question again. So the question is, you s- well, I guess what I was trying to say was that um, with Gymshark, they're, so they're in this iterative process where they start with the unique selling proposition, but then they're getting all this feedback from their target audience. The question is, how much do you let the target audience dictate what your values are and your goals and your products are versus how much do you have your own influence on that product? I don't know if you guys have thoughts about that, answers about that, but I have some thoughts, but I'll let you guys go first.
1: Uh, so I think I, I don't think when it comes to values, there's much that can be governed or said by the customers unless there's a whole negative aspect there's some kind of you know like injustice and everything that that people that company drove into when it comes Mm -hmm. to your values your values need to be true to yourself Mm -hmm. first and then to the customers but i think when it comes to a product there has to be a balance between like for example with ben francis he sold stuff that he liked
0: Mm -hmm. you know
1: and eventually as and eventually people like to so there's no way that what you and i like we're the only ones who do that you know there's like millions of people out there So I think for that, like, you need to find a balance where, like, of course, a customer is going to come, like, with the whole camo thing. Customer came up to him, and he didn't just, like, listen to that customer and be like, okay, you know what, you just told me I need camo, I'm going to make it tomorrow. They tried it out. They probably sent it to a bunch of influencers, and it worked. So there's always that niche where you got to find what the customer wants and what your company is providing and find the perfect balance in between. I highly doubt that every single person that the customer wants is out there. There's definitely things that they don't like because the athletes don't like, or the
2: influencers don't like, because that's what the general population goes off. He calls it finding the diamond in the data. So you're going to get a lot of data, but you got to find the diamond. (laughs) Put in the work to find the diamonds. Okay. Can you touch on that a little bit? Well, I mean, when you have this iterative process, you're getting so much feedback, feedback, feedback. You know, you asked for it, and now people are giving it. um, You know, not all feedback is the same, right? Some people have more experience with your product. Some people just have little. One of the things that I think it was – uh uh it was the name harbinger or whatever uh the podcaster jordan guy jordan harbinger one of the things he says is when he gets feedback on his podcast um he really values it because he knows that podcasters the the people listening to podcasts are already invested so um and the example he gives is when you go to a burger shop like a burger like a burger factory or something and a vegan leaves a review saying that you know this place is terrible and then Jordan Harbinger says that doesn't give you any feedback because all you know is that the place sells meat and not non-meat, right? Mm-hmm. The point is not all feedback is the same has the same value. And so what what Ben Francis says is to find the diamond in the data, meaning look for those things that will actually end up helping your brand um, than hurting your brand. And one of the ways that uh, – and the, that, that was one thing. And then the other thing that I noticed that they do um, to tackle this issue is that they started this new line of their clothing called Legacy. And if you look at the legacy collection, it's all of their old stuff. It's like their stringer vests. Um, They have um, some of their clothing that has the old logo on it still just to like really put in that legacy feeling to it. um, Because we know that they changed their logo, I think, eventually, actually pretty early on, probably um, when they realized they're getting big. But their legacy collection is a way for them to stay true to their values and straight true to their roots without like completely changing who they are. Um, But it's definitely a challenge because uh, I feel like, you know, people, if you open the door to feedback, people will give you feedback.
0: I don't know. We talked about this a little bit uh, with Chris. Remember, like, you know, you go where the customer oh. takes you. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, my opinion is this. So uh, this is just an opinion. So take it with a grain of salt. But I think when you're in the leadership position of a company like this, or, or like, let's just say, let's bring it back to branding deep dive again, just so we actually have some creative control of where the, the product's going, right? So if I get feedback that I disagree with, which has happened a couple times, right? I'll generally just be like, hey, I hear you. I don't think that's a good decision. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't believe that's, that's not the, the product I want to put out, mm-hmm. right? But that's because that's me and this is the product that I want to put out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think as a leader, there's also value in disagreeing. Right. And I think one of the things you see when it comes to leadership is you can't just be someone that, you know, flips on issues. You got to have a stance and you got to be able to say no. Yeah. That's a, that's a very important skill in leadership. You got to be able to say no quickly. Yeah. Right. So you're not, the longer you, for example, when you're firing someone, right. So it's not working out. The longer you delay that, Mm -hmm. your relationship with that person is just going to get worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just, and the longer you delay, it's going to be harder and harder to do. Yeah. Whereas if you do it immediately, like number one, you're respecting the person's time. You're letting them know, hey, look, I gotta let you go. <laughs> but you know,
2: that's a good point.
0: Like you're kind of, have you guys seen Moneyball? No. Yeah. So in Moneyball, the Billy Bean, who's a general manager, like you got to make Brad decisions Pitt. like that. You got to cut people, right? So Brad Pitt, who plays the character, and he's like, uh, he hires Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. No, is it Seth Rogen? Jonah no, no, it's, Hill. Uh, Jonah, Hill. Uh, Jonah Hill. He hires Jonah Hill's character to come be the assistant general manager. And he's just like a kid out of college, right, who (laughs) went to Yale and he's like super smart. But what happens is that he's the assistant general manager now, so of course the general manager is delegating some of the decisions to him. So a lot of the things that you have to do, now Jonah Hill has to do. So he Mm -hmm. tells Jonah Hill, go tell this player he got cut. And he's like, dude, (laughs) what? Like I can't do this. And he's like super scared. He's like, how do I do it? So the general manager is like, look, you've got to be straight with him. Let him know. Say it quickly. (laughs) Right? Like they're ball players. They want you to be yeah. straight with them. Yeah. Right? People don't want you to fluff around the corners. If you disagree with the decision, disagree, let them know. Yeah. Right? If if they disagree bad enough, then they can start their own company. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, go no down. But like, no <laughs> if you are a loyal customer and you are someone that provides valuable insight, like, I, I still want to hear what you have to say. I may yeah. not agree with you 100% of the time. Yeah. Uh, but I do value that you took the time out to share that with me. Yeah. Right. So that's uh, that's my perspective on it.
2: And and it kind of ties back into what Gymshark did with that one situation where they put up a model that didn't exactly fit their um, physique standards and then people were like, "Oh, you know, this is not what Gymshark stands for blah blah." blah. People had, adv- you know, thoughts on the brand and then Gymshark's like, we disagree. If you don't like it, unfollow. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then they're like, we're gonna be putting up more and more pictures like this. And I, I'm like, okay, let me see their timeline. I looked at September. This is where the, when the post when the picture was posted. And I go up all the way to December, which is where we're at now in January. But they actually never ended up doing that. So I was like, huh. <laughs> they, I I feel like they 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 missed an opportunity or they're not authentic to who they are.
1: But I, I think I mean they they definitely didn't do the posts, but they have a lot of models that don't, uh, that don't fit the, you know, it's, it's, it's really weird that the way they have it, because uh-huh. if you go and look at their certain models, all about these female models, they'll, they'll come up as like, you know, at least you don't always have to be like athletic and all that yeah. stuff, you know, even got a lot of male models, you know, even though they're athletic, you'll have them in like clothing, in and clothing posts and stuff like this. I think they didn't really do the posts. But they use different avenues like the Gymshark sixty six, the most recent video posted, their athlete, she's a video gamer. You know, she's not even like a fitness gym person, whatever. But she did like a whole monologue whole episode on their story of like what Gymshark Sixty Six is and all that. And and again, the most recent fact is that they uh, they hired and a sponsor, an athlete out of Canada. She's a Punjabi, so shout out to Manan. Maybe you should go find
2: her and I'm not get some Punjabi tricks. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I trying
1: so now they're being more inclusive of how they, you know, they have. And the, one of the really interesting things about, like, they're not really condensed in a market. If like, you don't have athletes for just in the UK or just in the Europe, you know, they have international athletes. And really, really cool thing about their whole athlete program is that they have people that may not be internationally famous, but that are really, really popular locally. Mm-hmm. You know, so every time... They, they they have, like, people scouting and monitoring people that tag Gymshark and do all this stuff to see, you know, how they're making an impact and how they're making a difference to reach out to them. And they have people in, like, Germany and France, whatever it is. They're, like, local people that people get crazy if they see them, but they're not internationally known. And that's working for them because they don't care about the international face value. They just want the communities
2: that they're serving
1: to have value over
2: Have you been tagging Gymshark in your post? No, I'm going to after this podcast. All right. <laughs> I want to see as a Gymshark ambassador or athlete.
0: Oh, one, point, point, one,
2: point I wanna,
0: one point I want to touch on, on that, what, what Ruffy just mentioned is that if you're a small business, you don't have to go after the biggest influencers in the world. You know what I mean? Like you don't need a million followers. Like you can find people in your local community, even if they just have a hundred followers, but maybe those followers are people that actually listen and value what that person has to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Actually that,
0: that, go
2: ahead. Yeah, no, 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 go ahead. Finish your thought. My bad.
0: And in a lot of times you can save money as a business. Number one, like by paying less. But the second thing is you get more loyal followers because these people that are pushing products for, you know, if you have a million followers, you get requests from all these different brands. So, at a certain point, if you're a follower of this influencer, you're going to start tuning out some of the advertisements that come out. But now if you're a smaller scale, like let's say you had a couple hundred followers, but you actually have a relationship with those followers, then those people are going to listen to what you have to say. right? And so if you're a business and you see people like that that actually have a say in their community, you can leverage that. You can save money, number one. But now you have actual people that will actually engage with your brand.
1: And one, one of the really cool things about... The point that you make, Shima, is that is you grow with the brand. You know, that's that's a very huge trust factor that a lot of these athletes back then, even if they were pretty big, but this is a small brand, you know, so like there's a whole different correlation that I already have a million followers and Gymshark's nothing, but they trusted Ben Francis. They trusted the work. They liked the quality. And as soon as, and back then, none of the athletes had any contracts. They would just give them free clothing. Now they have a five-year contract, all these athletes, Right. So That's the process that I think a lot of these small influencers, a lot of these businesses, need to understand. That that's something that if they, it's like a, it's like a return investment. You invest in the people; they're not that big now. Neither are you, but you grow, they grow with you, or they grow and you grow with them,
2: and that just takes off.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Not only that, and I think the principle that Chima mentioned is so important for for a business that might have a product that is even more niche than the gym culture. Right. So I know one of the things Ben Francis said, he, he knew that beauty um, fitness and music were the three most popular things that he gaming. came into and gaming. I think that was what it. Yeah. But imagine you have something that's like super niche, right? It only behooves you to find those people um, that are interested in that. And they're not going to be big people anyway. Right. But if you don't go after them, you'll never find that tribe that you're looking for. Um, because you're going after the wrong people. Um, That's super important, I feel like.
1: That's true. And, like, it's really interesting because, like, as we talked about the whole fitness culture and all that, you will see a lot of these athletes, like, just doing a day-to-day video, you know, not even – it has nothing to do with Gymshark. It's what their personal businesses are, their personal things are, but they are wearing Gymshark outfit, Gymshark gear, while they're doing day-to-day stuff, you know, nothing related to workout. That's just, like – fits into a daily life that, you know, you don't need to be a fitness or you you don't need to really wear Gymshark gear. Like me, for example, I'm sitting here talking to you guys in the Gymshark gear. So that's, that's a really good idea that they put out there.
2: Yeah.
0: Ruffy, the, one of the things I wanted to ask you was about Ben Francis's YouTube channel. What role does that play in the Gymshark brand? Do you think?
1: So, as I mentioned earlier, that channel and that whole story of his vlogging started because customers wanted to see that and now his most recent videos about him signing the uh, 1.4 billion dollar deal with the uh, journal atlantic right so now with that videos being put out there people know that what goes into making this brand a successful brand what goes into this product that we love so much what goes into the person what not what goes into what the person behind all this brand is doing on our day-to-day life. You know, he's no longer the CEO, he's no longer the CBO. Then what is he doing? You know, he's not just sitting and just taking the share, the money, right? And that I think, again, we, we talk about customer experience and customer connection. That now people know that, okay, this dude cares a lot more about the customers rather than he's just sipping some peanut colada on the beach and just getting the money. You know, he's actually putting the work, even Though the company's completely established. So the fact that he's posting all those videos, he doesn't even have that many followers on YouTube or on Instagram. I yeah, he's not even and YouTube is like two hundred something, and Instagram is like a couple hundred something. But he doesn't care about that. What he's doing is he's putting his day-to-day work, he's putting his deals, he's putting his uh, ideas, he's putting them and of course he doesn't put this before, it's so all after it's been done and said, and it just gives people and inside it's like, okay, wow, you know, like, and, and the best part about it is that he makes it seem in a way that he's nothing special. You know, you guys have seen the way he dresses, right? He's always in like full jackets, clothes, nothing fancy, nothing too crazy. He's always in Gymshark gear. He just goes to tell that, you know, if you're true to yourself, whatever I'm doing, everyone can do it. It's just you have to do it. You have to be consistent about it.
2: The other thing I noticed that his personal YouTube video does now is they're starting this internal podcast. They called it or they had started an internal podcast um, uh, and now they're doing what's called an external podcast. But one of the goals of that podcast was um, because the company had got so big and so international, um, they needed to make sure that all of their uh, all of their employees understood the culture at Gymshark locally. Uh, And so in order to convey that culture, they started this podcast. They started this blogging to show what is the culture like over here and what we expect from you guys in the United States, and Colorado, whatever, wherever they are, um, to, and share that culture just so they make sure everyone's on the same page.
0: That goes back to the internal branding that we were talking about, right? Where he's able to, like having an internal podcast allows you to take Ben Francis's passion mm-hmm. and instill it in people at the company. Yeah. Right. And so now, like maybe your manager didn't do a good job of explaining why Gymshark exists, what your role is in the company. But now you listen to this podcast and you're like, oh, this is what we're building here. This is what we're doing.
2: That's so it. powerful. Yeah. yeah. Imagine being in Colorado. You don't even know who Ben Francis is. He's in UK. <laughs> but then your manager's like, dude, you should have replied to that Replied to that customer, man. Why'd you let him go? And you're like, dude, it was one customer. But then you hear Be- Ben Francis' story about... Writing personal letters to all of his clients, and you're like, "Oh, okay, you know, that's the culture." All right. I wonder.
1: I wonder if Ben Fassler does that. You know, just randomly sends like random emails, complaints, and Steve never responds back to it. No, I, I know sure. you said he didn't like them. He didn't like emails, but he, uh, uh, yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't like email. He likes personal interaction with people. Yeah. He was actually planning to move to Colorado this year, but with COVID, he kind of yeah. put on. Cause I think majority of your sales are in the in the US.
0: So essentially, what I want to say is that. Like, internal branding is a, you know, you're, having your employees understand your brand, that's important too. Uh, but, you know, these videos are on YouTube documenting the journey. Rafi, why, why do you think it's important to, like, if I'm a small business, right, why is it important for us to document our journey and share that with the world, actually? I think,
1: in my opinion, again, take it with the green of salt, like you said, it's uh, it's really important to document your journey because I'm gonna actually relate it to fitness first, and then I'm gonna come back come back to branding. Right in fitness, when you are there's this thing called progressive overload, which is basically you you need to put your body through different stages where they are able to push more weight over time. And you're never gonna know how much weight you are gonna push next week or the next month if you don't track down the weight that you put last month. You know, so you don't you're never gonna know wh- where you started from where your progress is, you might, you know, you will every time you, you'll be in a stage where you plateau at like not progressing. And I think the same when it comes to branding is that if you don't document where you started or what were the right things that you were doing when you began, as you grew, if you don't document that, there's going to be a point where you're going to plateau and you'll be confused, like what is not working right. And if you don't have, if you have it documented, you can go back and see that, okay, this is what I was doing. This is what I stopped doing instead of you know not having anything just being all over the place i think documentation helps you break through plateaus and progress through your entire business growth like you would have in your fitness journey
2: dang that's a yeah that's a really I love good how point. You connected it right back to fitness too yeah <laughs> genius. genius
0: dude yeah. rafi's
2: a fitness trainer if you guys didn't know of um, all our <laughs> listeners um
0: one more thing on that same note though so as you mentioned i totally agree you know like looking back uh And what is interesting is the more and more technology that we get in the world, the more and more numbers, the more and more metrics we have, and the more and more speed with which that we're going through these numbers and metrics, right? So I couldn't tell you what, like, so I work on process improvements at work. I couldn't tell you what I did a year ago, you know what I mean? Like, unless I went through my uh, notes and kind of go through like, oh yeah, this is what I did in June. Because it's just we're doing so much. There's so many things we're working on, so many things we're tracking. Having this thing to look back to and see, hey, this is what we did. This is how we grew. That's really important. The other thing I want to add on is that that gets your you, – you start to reach a different audience as well, right? So the people that are watching Ben Francis's uh, videos are not necessarily gym, Gymshark-type people. Like I watch I – I first watched his videos because – I think I was probably watching some other business video. I'm into that thing. But I was like, oh, dude, this guy scaled his business from zero to 100 million. That was probably like a video with like two, three years ago, right? And I was like interested to see how he did it. And so now you're reaching another audience, and now you're getting me bought into trying to get Gymshark to the next level. You know what I mean? I want to see Gymshark. I want to see the next video. I want to see him get to like 10 billion now. You know what I mean? So that's, uh, that's the cool part about documenting your journey is that you start getting people that – Follow along the journey and want to see you succeed. You also get a lot haters. of,
1: <laughs> and a lot of the documentation has inspired a lot of entrepreneurs. You know, like you mentioned, there's not the whole there's there's, a, there's like tons of people that don't care much about fitness, don't care much about thing, but they care about making money. And if they find the right person, you know, they find the right person the way Ben Francis did and all of that. If they find that those kind of videos inspire him, because one of the biggest thing with Ben Francis is that his age. He just turned 28. He's not even 30. So a lot of young entrepreneurs who are in that space are going to look up to that. You know, if if you say someone, hey, look up to Jeff Bezos. Well, Jeff Bezos is already 40s, close to 40, I think. I don't know. uh, Chima, is your boss. (laughs) But, uh, you know, that's not going to inspire a lot of young people. Of course, the whole money aspect, how he grew up there. But if they want to look at someone that's in their current space and time, with the changing times, that is Ben Francis, I think, in today's day and age, young, upcoming entrepreneur.
0: Rafi, we have two closing questions for you. Before we get into that, uh, where can people find you? I know you've got a podcast you're working on as well. You're on Instagram, you're an influencer. So how can people get in touch with you if they want fitness coaching or they want to listen to your podcast for some fitness advice, that kind of thing?
1: Well, I'm going to put my number in the bottom of this video so you can reach out to me. <laughs> uh, so my Instagram handle, Rafi saying, you know, just DM me if there's anything you guys need. And of course, you know, reach out to the BDD, Hosts of and Manan, they will be my direct connection. If you guys know them, so.
0: Uh, just a note: if we are referring you guys, we're going to charge you guys a little bit of extra because we we get our cut in it too. So. <laughs> no, was Take messing, whatever,
1: so. Man. Free, free personal <laughs> training for both of you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ruffy, before we let you go, one of the traditions we generally have is like, what are some ideas, or what is something that you would like to see Jim Shark do?
1: I think one of the things that I would like for them to see is, of course, you know, uh, expand more into like the groundwork. They don't have stores, but I know that back in the back when they were growing, they were doing a lot of trade shows and a lot of pop-ups. But in the Europe, and they did one in Ohio. So, of course, with post-COVID, I'm, I mean, because now that I am personally excited about Gymshark, I want to be in that space. I want to be, I want to see, I want to see how it feels. I want to be in that environment. So I think growing, they should con- definitely continue that which was probably stopped a while back. And that way they can now they'll have more interaction with people like me and people who are post-COVID and people new to Gymshark. And of course, you know, that's going to help them grow with their ideas.
0: And the last question, the branding deep dive tradition is, is there another brand that you have the same sense of loyalty loyalty to as Gymshark?
1: Yeah, I mentioned earlier, Andromer's Project Rock. Project
2: rock. Oh yeah. Space. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Oh, both in the fitness space. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this is a controversial question. So let's why do you,
0: why are you so, I mean, you already mentioned it earlier, but is there, is there anything else not in the fitness space that you're super into? Uh,
1: in the, not in the fitness space. Not really. I mean, I, a lot of fashion stuff like clothing, watches and all that, but I'm not really loyal to a specific brand. Uh, there's certain things that all go based of, you know, how they feel and look for the most part. But I can tell you one thing that's like why I'm loyal to Gymshark and Project Rock is because they, uh, it's because of the fact that everything is tested by the individuals that stand behind it. Everything is authenticated by them and they stand by their brand. You know I mean? You don't have generic brands that are just, you know, putting stuff out there and don't have any feedback. I mean, the, the way you put yourself out there as a brand, Gymshark and Project Rock, when you say that you've already tested this and done that, there's no question of a customer asking you that, hey, why doesn't this work? Why doesn't that work? Because you know, you're just making it clear that I tested it myself. I've done through all the trial and errors, and now it's in good hands for you to wear it.
0: The quality bar is really high.
1: Yep. It's, that's, that's what makes me wild with these brands. And because because I'm in that space, I work out a lot, I need something that's comfortable. I need something that's not sticky. It doesn't stink after the sweats and all that stuff. It really matters to me how my clothes fit and how they
0: perform. I appreciate you coming on the show, Rafi. Thank you so much.
1: I'm really excited to be here, guys. Thank you so much.
2: We'll I'll see you later.
0: So a random fun fact about this episode is that this episode had the most bloopers we've ever had in one episode. Ruffy's been with us in this podcasting journey since the very beginning, so we're kind of open with him, and that resulted in a lot of extra time in the edit. Now, as always, I have some key takeaways, but before we get to that, I want to share a clip from our episode on Bellroy. I remember actually when somebody looked at my, uh, I feel like I'm I'm being weird, but my Bellroy (laughs) keychain, I have a Bellroy keychain. And then look, it's like, is that like a Drake keychain? I was like, no. I don't, you know, like I was, I, was, I was mad. I was like, no, this is, like, I was like, man, I paid money for this to be a Bellroy product, not a Drake product, you know? So then, and then we were like, is that, is that Drake? i like, no, it's not, it's Bellroy. And then at that point, I can't even do my pitch anymore. I can't be like, yeah, it's Bellroy. They make cool designs and stuff. It's just like, yeah, it's not Drake, you know? I mean, uh, you can,
2: I feel like you can still transition, you know, whatever, just pitch it if you really feel... Uh no man. hey,
0: I think it's it's really important what he mentioned is that like he paid money to be part of this tribe and now you think <laughs> I'm part of some other tribe.
2: Yeah, like I'm not even a big Drake fan like that, pet.
0: If you enjoyed our discussion with Ruffy on Gymshark, I am sure you're also gonna enjoy our discussion with Momo on Belroy. Go check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Now, here are my key takeaways. Number one customer service. The story of Ben Francis writing all those letters really got to me. That is a lesson that you can apply even if you only have one customer and it doesn't have to be when you mess something up. Try writing a thank you note. And number two is taking feedback from the influencers that you're working with. Nowadays, it seems like everyone and their mom is talking about influencer marketing. We all know how powerful that is, but what happens when you take feedback from your influencers and change your product based on that feedback is that you get a better product and you get these influencers bought into your story. They're now a part of the story and they will go out of their way to promote that story. If you are working with influencers, make sure you ask their opinion and try to take their feedback and make changes to your product and see what that does for your business. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time.